Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, good deal. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to come together and study again tonight. We pray your blessings upon our study. Pray your blessings upon us as we listen and as we pay attention, Father, and as we uh, strive to, to apply these things to our lives. Bless us, Father, in each situation that we find ourselves in and help us, Father, to always strive every single day to bring honor and glory to you. And we thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to finish out Leviticus today. Today's yep. going to be our final yep. episode on Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And then... We're going to go ahead and take a um, break. We're going to go ahead and play some of our previous classes that we've recorded in the past over the next few weeks. Um, I think we decide, what did we decide to do the I Am class? Yeah, that's, I a cla am. that's a class. I don't even remember it, so I'm going to have to watch them because that's when that's the class that James Colburn and I did together. Well, we were still it's, in the auditorium when we And we were in the auditorium. I think the last class we're in, this, we're in here mm -hmm. was the last class. That was during COVID time. I don't even remember doing it. I don't remember. I remember the last class where I was sitting here with James. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to run that while we take a break. You need to finish school. Mm -hmm. You need to get your school finished. We've uh, we've been, this is a grind. We've been at it for a while. And, uh, you well, know. and we need some time to get ready for numbers. Yeah. So we're going to let that class play. That'll be eight episodes. So for yeah. the next eight weeks, that'll yeah. be the class that's out. And we'll be recording in about four weeks. So we'll be recording. We'll have some record ahead. <coughs> Thank you for giving me whatever you have, man. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm here. I'm sharing the wealth. <coughs> well, anyway. <laughs> so I hope you guys are okay with that. We're gonna we're gonna put uh, out some different content. I mean some stuff that you can get on our on our in our library, on our thing that's uh, there, but uh it's probably obscure most people and we were thought about doing your class that was on what Philippians, mm -hmm. but it's just too many weeks. It's like twenty four weeks, that's just too long. So Yeah. So uh, this one is what eight weeks? Eight weeks. It's two so, months. So it'll be eight week class. So for two months, you'll be watching that that other class. Uh, bear with us because we will be back to start numbers. We're not abandoning this. We are going to come back and do numbers. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but Cole and I both need a chance to get ready for it. And uh, you know, I need to read it a couple of times before before we do this. So uh, you know, I read I read oh, part of it the other day and. Uh, there's a lot of material there, you know, before they ever get moving, there's a lot of material there. So I was about to say, you know, Leviticus is where most yearly Bible plans go to die, where most Bible reading plans, you know, over the year mm -hmm. go to die. And if uh, Leviticus doesn't kill them, numbers will put a bullet in it real quick. Yeah, but at least the first 10 chapters. Because the first 10 chapters, he's still getting ready. They don't even leave. They don't even take off till the chapter That's 11. That's just organizing the camp yeah. to take off. Yeah. 
ways telling them how to set the camp up and everything you know so you know there's a lot of planning going into and, the camping and then as soon as you hit numbers chapter 11 it's it's like wait a minute haven't we been here before yeah wait wait a minute what yeah. it's like the greatest hits on repeat yeah. you know i thought as i got to numbers 11 i'm going i'm going these people didn't learn nothing did these they? people didn't learn anything they didn't they nothing. <laughs> sometimes it's like that with how i feel when we, we're working with people that work with i said you didn't learn anything what, you weren't paying attention? Were you not paying attention to what we, we just talked about? So anyway, but uh, we got to tie this up. How are we going to tie this up? What we, All right. there's, there's a lot here. I mean, the ch last chapter is about redeeming the things that belong to God. Well, and ultimately, what is it that belongs to God, right? So let's, let's do a, a brief recap of the whole story so far. Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything and it's good right? God doesn't make junk. He made everything and it was good. And he, he made man with a specific purpose. He made him male and female, which apparently that's a controversial statement today, but that's what he did. He made us male and female. Um, we each have roles. We each have responsibilities with what, with being in mind of accomplishing the mission of God, which accomplishing the mission of God in Genesis chapter one is ruling over his creation, ruling with God. That's Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter two God gets into the, the nitty gritties of what that last day of creation was kind of like, of what it was like to bring in Adam, of what it was like to develop, to make Eve, you know, how all of those things. And God gives him rule. He gives him law. He says, look, you know, you can eat from the tree of life. Don't eat from the tree uh, of, of knowledge of good and evil because the day you eat of it, you're, sure, you're surely die. Genesis chapter three, it all goes, it all goes sideways. Um, Eve believes the lie. The devil tells multiple lies. He challenges on her on whether or not she's going to die. He challenges her on that she's not like God, right? He says, in the day you'll eat of it, you'll be like God. That's why he doesn't want you to eat it, which is not true. She's already like God. Yeah. So she believes those all those lies. She takes the fruit. She eats of it. Um, she gives to Adam. Adam was right there. They're both complicit. God shows up. The blame game starts. And so immediately before God hands down any type of punishment, before he makes any restitution for their sin, because he does. Remember, he covers them with animal yeah. skins. Mm -hmm. Where does he get the animal skins, yeah. right? So he's, he, he, he sacrifices an animal. Something dies on their behalf. You, you start learning that the penalty for sin is death. Something has to die. Either you're going to die or something has to take your place, mm -hmm. right? You learn that from the very beginning. But before any of that happens, God promises a savior. He says in Genesis chapter 3.15, there's a seed of woman coming who's going to squish down. So the rest of Genesis, we're looking for that child. That's why Genesis 4 opens up with Cain and Abel. These these are the seed, right, is is the, the is what we're supposed to kind of be thinking. One of them is, is the seed, and then he eats their lunch. You know, he takes Cain, he manipulates Cain. Cain immediately kills Abel. We're left without a seed. And then God, God blesses Eve and she has Seth. And so the, the rest of the Bible up until this point is really a, a spiritual war between the enemy and God. And the enemy's trying to destroy that seed. He's doing everything he can to kill that seed. You see it in things like the famine in Genesis chapter 12, right? God comes to Abraham and says, hey, let's go. And then the enemy says, oh, well, I'm going to bring in a famine to destroy mm -hmm. the seed. So you see this play out all throughout Genesis. And in the story, what we're looking for is who is that child going to be? Who is that person who can fulfill the role that God had in mind for mankind? Because that's who we're looking for. <laughs> um, and a lot of a lot of contenders show up. You know, Abraham shows up, but then he fails. Isaac shows up, and then he fails. Jacob shows up, and he really fails. I mean, oh my gosh, dude has like four wives. Yeah. I mean, he's just. I mean, one's a favorite, one's and not. We have, I mean, we have yeah. It's 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 crazy. I mean, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. And so. 
Jacob, right at the end of Genesis, promises us, or he 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 has a prophecy about the scepter will not depart from Judah. And so we get this inkling that, well, maybe it's coming from Judah. But Genesis ends with the people of Israel in Exodus, or in Exodus, in Egypt, right? They're in Egypt. They're, they're, they've been rescued. They've been delivered. God has delivered them through Joseph and through Egypt and saved them from this huge famine, right? So he saved and preserved the line. So the enemy knows the people. He knows the people it's coming from. It's coming from Abraham's descendants. So he's got to kill them, right? So he does a pretty good job. In Egypt, he does a good job of subjecting these people, enslaving these people. Because, I mean, think about it from a spiritual perspective. Pharaoh is God. And all they have all these other gods in Egypt. Well, who, who do all these powers serve? The enemy. Yeah. And so he has the people of God. He has Israel enslaved in Egypt to the enemy. And what is he doing? What is Pharaoh doing? He's killing these people, right? Ah, yeah. oh, we're going to kill all these babies one way or the other. You know, he tells the midwives of boredom, you know, and when uh -huh. that doesn't happen, he looks at the, uh, he tells all of his people, well, I just throw them in the river and let the crocodiles eat them, right? So we, this is all out spiritual warfare. Pharaoh, the enemy through Pharaoh is determined to kill this seed line. And that's what's going on. And so God delivers them. And so the question that we ought to be asking is, is Moses the guy we've been waiting for? Yeah, Joseph had some inklings, so we, we kind of know it's not Moses, but man, Moses is pretty good. Look at what's going on. Mm -hmm. People are sinning, the people are doing the wrong thing, and what is Moses doing? He's up on he's on the mountain interceding. He's he's a friend of God. He's he sees God, right? This is this is amazing stuff. Think about the upper room with Jesus says, I don't call you my you're not my servants, you're not my slaves, you're I'm calling you my friend. Well, that's a pretty big deal. Abraham was a friend of God. Moses is a friend of God. Now we get to be friends of God because we know the plan and we know the purpose, right? We know what he's doing. So we're looking for that person and coming out of Leviticus, it seems like Moses is that person. Yeah, we've had some inkling that it's, he's not, but so far he's pretty good. He's the only person who's been able to stand in the presence of God continually to intercede for other people's behalf. And so when we ha we're heading out of Leviticus and he's disclosed, think about this. He Moses has disclosed the way back into the garden, back into God's presence. Is Moses our guy? Numbers is going to answer that question for yeah. us definitively. Yeah. But that's what we ought to be looking at. That's it. coming into it, man. Things are going really well. We have we've been allowed back into the presence of this is the first time since the garden that people have been allowed back into the presence of God. And it's only the high priest and it's only once a year, right? We've talked about And there there's definitely a plan that God has in place, but you know, and the enemy doesn't understand the plan. Mm -hmm. He really doesn't. I mean, God, if you look back on it now, and you look back on it from our perspective, from from the perspective of, of coming to God through Christ, you know, and knowing all the all the things that have been written since then, book of Hebrews, the book of Galatians and all these books. We know that God's plan was methodically being unfolded. Whether the enemy and the enemy didn't know. Pull up Ephesians chapter two. We'll look, we'll look at that. Let's let's get over there, because because it's true. What you said is one hundred percent true. It was hidden. It was a mystery, no. right? This what what God was doing. How God was going to redeem us. How God was going to bring us back into the garden. How God is is working this all out is an absolute mystery. And the enemy did not understand it. Let's look at Ephesians chapter two real quick. Um, okay. Ephesians chapter two. Uh, wait, sorry. Mm, three. Go to three, Lee. Sorry, I thought it was two. It's three. Okay. All right. 
He says in three, starting and looking at verse uh, two, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. Now, this is Paul talking. This is Paul. Mm-hmm. To the church to the at church. Ephesus. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has not been, which has not, uh, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise. In Jesus Christ. And the promise he's talking about is the promises to Abraham, right? <laughs> so we are all, this is the mystery that through Christ, Christ was going to die and bring all mankind, unite all mankind back together again. Something I told my class <coughs> on Wednesday night, <clears throat> the law, like we talked about last week, the law was a, was a specific document for a specific people. That's right. For a specific purpose, for a specific time frame. That's right. Period. Mm-hmm. That's why in Galatians chapter 3, when he tell, says that Abraham, he believed, and he was first preached the gospel to Abraham before all of that. When he said, through your seed, all nations will be left, that's the gospel. That's the mystery here. The enemy didn't understand. No. Because it, he'd been clouded. So he didn't understand. That mystery is very clear to us because we look from, from back. We look back and we see, oh, okay, God was using Moses to put a law into place to get those people to where they need to be. And it wasn't really to get those people anywhere because they weren't going to obey it anyway. But it was to bring Jesus from it. Because when we see Jesus in, in Hebrews take his own blood and go into the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, and offer his blood before God, we know that that is, that is significant because the symbolism of what happened in the law was, was pointing us to that event. That's right. So That it needed to happen. Yeah. That redemption needed to happen. Redemption just means it's a fancy word for saying that you you bought back, you yeah. redeemed something. So yeah. like if you go to a pawn store, right? And you you buy it back. Buy it back. Mm-hmm. You you go to a pawn store, you pawn your thing, you get the ticket, you get your money and you leave. But when you come back, if you want that thing back within the time period, you got to come back and bring the ticket and bring the money and you get that thing back. Yeah. Right? So it's that's redemption, it's right? Redemption. Um and that's what God is doing because we have been sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. Slavery to sin and death. Through sin. Through sin. Through sin, but in sin. Sin, sin. We and often, that's the enemy's playbook. That's the enemy's playbook. And that's yeah. what he wants to do. He wants to destroy us. He knows if we sin, then we die. He knows that's the truth. Because he knew he sinned and he died. And he's going to die. Yeah. And he wants to take as many people with him as possible. Yeah. If, you, if you ever ever wanted to understand the motivation of the enemy, it's sour grapes. Yeah. He's upset and angry that he lost the game. And now he's trying to make he's trying to trying to ensure that as many people lose the game as possible. He wants a lot of company in destruction. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it's the only way he can hurt God. Because what is it that God desires? Us. He desires that all people, all mm-hmm. people, this is first Timothy, this is first Peter. So both Paul and Peter tell us this. This is God's motivation that he wants all people to repent mm-hmm. and to be saved. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And so the only way that doesn't happen is if we believe the lies of the enemy, if we continue to worship ourselves and follow ourselves. And he's doing a good job because a lot of people in the world have believed the lie. Well, what we're going to see and what what we've seen in Leviticus and think about what just what we've seen in the story so far, right? So God 
delivers <coughs> Egypt or delivers Israel out of Egypt on eagles' wings, provides everything they need, right? There's no mystery for these people. They're not like they're not like in a 21st century American that's like, yeah, but is God real? Yeah. Right? Like that's a fair question, I think, in the 21st century, because we are so far removed from the events of the past. We're 2,000 years removed from the eyewitness and, testimony and, you know, of Jesus' that's resurrection. Not, that's, I mean, not just biblically, but, you know, we have a society that's trying to systematically remove us from the events yeah. of history in a secular way. Well, I mean, th- think about it from this perspective, right? The, the, the Jews and the, the rabbinic Judaism, a pushback against the historical arguments for Christ is, oh, well, the Gospels were written decades after the events they record, so they're not reliable. Yeah. It's like, are you out of your mind? The only reason they get away saying that is because people are so uneducated yeah. and they don't know how history works. The only reason we know <laughs> of Julius Caesar's Gaelic Wars is because of a text that was written like a thousand years. We have a copy of a text, that of a copy of a series of copies of a text that existed a thousand years ago. It was like from 800 AD and it talks about Julius Caesar's Gaelic Wars. It's It's... Almost a thousand years removed from the events. Yep. And it's the only copy we have, and it's the only way we know of Julius Caesar's Gaelic Wars. But yet, Julius Caesar's Gaelic Wars is historical fact. But the resurrection of Jesus, by which we have documentation that we can date to within 20 or 30 years of the event, and hundreds of witnesses that say they saw him, and all of it recorded and written down. The fact, I mean, we have so much evidence. That's a question. That's suspect. And but, what that's, bo- but that's the mindset of the world today. Well, and what it boils down to is this. There's a, a 17th century philosopher who, who uh, the, the big guys like Sam Harris and everything, they quote him, they quote him to this day. They use his, his material. But he essentially said this. Even if there was an insurmountable amount of evidence to prove that miracles exist, we should not believe them. We shouldn't believe them. That's what he said. That's the argument. The argument is we shouldn't believe in miracles, even if there's an un- even if there's an insurmountable amount of evidence, just because they are in fact miracles, and it is impossible for miracles to occur. So, in other words, if you're looking for evidence of a transcendent personal God, which is the claim that Christ makes, which is the claim that the Jews make, which is the claim and that which we Leviticus Christians make, and Genesis and Exodus point us to. Right. That there is a personal God who <laughs> wants to redeem us. I mean, Leviticus chapter 27 is all about, you pointed out a little, it's all about redemption. This is what God's about. Redeeming people, saving people. He's personal. So if you're going to make this argument that there's a personal redeeming God who's all powerful, you're going to make that argument, right? What type of evidence would you look for? Oh, I don't know. Uh, things that are impossible to happen. Happen. Happen, right? So in other words, miracles. Because that's what a miracle is. Miracle is something that we all look at and know it's that it's, it's absolutely impossible to happen. And yet it happens anyway. And so this guy is literally saying the only evidence we could possibly have for to prove that there is definitively proved that there is in fact a God, we're not allowed to believe. Um... But in some shape or form, that's what the world's bought now. That's They bought well, that philosophy. What it boils down to is this. You're going to believe what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as a knockdown argument. I can. I, I remember working on the truck. I can. I can stand in a house and tell someone over and over and over again, if you don't get to the hospital right now, you're about to die. It's up to them to believe me, right? I, had a, I went to a Jim Wills County Jail one time, 
And usually when you go to the jail, it's it's a big production. You've been to the jail to do Bible studies. Well, when you go as a medic, it's always a big production because you got to go in, you've got to get get your stuff up the steps and you got to get in the sally port. You got to get all these things. You get in there and then the guy's sitting there and usually the the inmate, the prisoner, usually nine times out of 10, there's nothing wrong with them. They just want to get out of jail. And this is a convenient way to get out of jail, right? So, but this guy, this the, I walked in and this guy was sitting there and he, he looked pretty young. He was in his 30s. And uh, they said he, they needed an EKG. And I was thinking, I have a 30-year-old need an EKG. That's, that's <laughs> strange. So we walked in, we, we talk, started talking to the guy. And like I said, nine times out of 10, they're not going anywhere. We're not going to transport. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not, they're not sick enough to go or whatever. The jail didn't want to send them, whatever. And so we, we started checking this guy out. And he told me, well, I have an irregular heartbeat. And I went, oh. And he went, yeah, and I haven't taken any of my meds in months. And I went, oh, none of that's good. So we checked his blood pressure and his blood pressure was like 110 over 60, <coughs> which if you know, if you know anything about blood pressures, that's a really great blood pressure. Uh, unless you have a history of hypertension and you're not taking your meds, in which case 110 over 60 is probably not a good number because it means there's something going on, right? Because usually you should be hypertensive. Well, this guy had, had a history of a regular heartbeat and hypertension and he hadn't been taking his meds. And so I'm looking at this guy and I'm, I'm already my, you know, the, my, the things are going off in my head. The alarms are going off in my head. And we put him on the EKG. We check his heart rate. We do all that stuff. His heart rate's 180. Okay. <laughs> and I'm looking at my 12 lead, and he's in what we call AFib RVR. AFib RVR is just, just a fancy way of saying your atrium, the, the top part of your heart, is quivering, right? Well, when it's quivering like that, it's sending out electrical signals to the bottom part of your heart. And the way your heart normally works is the top beats the bottom beats. The top beats the bottom beats, right? Well, when the top is doing this, sometimes those electrical signals get through and the, the bottom part of your heart starts trying to catch up. Well, this is quivering. <coughs> this is quivering at, you know, two, three hundred times a minute. It's just quivering. It's just shaking. So the ventricles are trying to keep up. Well, when you start doing this, you're not pumping enough blood to the yeah. rest of your body. So you see a blood pressure drop and eventually it leads to death and cardiac arrest or a cardiac arrest and death. And so I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, oh no. Like I, I immediately knew if we didn't get this guy to the hospital in the next five minutes, he was gonna he was gonna code. He was gonna die. And so I looked at the jailer and said, Hey man, he needs to go. Like this is this is serious. He needs to go. And the jailer said, Well, you know, we can get somebody in in the next 40 minutes or so, so he can go. And I looked at that jailer and I said, Man, we gotta go right now. I said, You don't understand. If this if we don't go. In the next five minutes, I'm going to be working this guy as a cardiac arrest on the floor. And the jailer went, oh, it's serious. We need to go, right? <laughs> so I impressed upon the jailer and he believed me. Mm -hmm. But it's really up to you. I can give you all the evidence. I can tell you all the, all the facts, mm -hmm. right? And you're right. The world has done a great job of convincing people that it's not about facts, that it's not about those things. And to be quite frank, there are Christians who think that. I know. There are Christians who yeah, think sadly, that. I know. To ask for evidence means we don't have any faith. That's nonsense. The, the things that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, claimed, there better be really good evidence. There better be, like, there better be more evidence for this than anything else. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. the claims this guy makes and the things that he is asking us to do, people think Christianity is this moral system. It's, it's not. There's morality that comes with well, it. You know, when you when you look at Leviticus and you understand that it's pointing us to this seed that's coming, mm -hmm. 
It's pointing us to somebody. It's not Moses, not Abraham, it's not Jacob, it's not the any of those guys. The way back into God. Yeah. How, we, how do we get to into a relationship with God? We've looked at, at text already. We've, we've, uh, we've alluded to text that talks about a new covenant's coming, yeah. that there's going to be a new di- dynamic, that God's going to put a new covenant in place. You know, the covenant he's making with Moses is, mm-hmm. gonna, and is different than the covenant he made with Abraham. That's the right. one with, with Abraham is, a, is based on a promise. This, is, it, this one's based on a law. That's right. Okay? That law is going to be finished and over with. But all of it's pointing to one thing. And that's the event of Jesus coming out of that tomb on the third day. Yeah. That's what it's pointing to. Yeah. I know. I understand there's a death, and I understand there's a burial, but it, the ultimate end, the miracle that says, well, that can't happen, it has to happen, it happens. Yeah. And Jesus comes out of that tomb. In that process, what he's done is taken his blood, become the Lamb of God, and taken his blood into before God and said, here, here is the, here is the, the requirement the ransom price. This right. is the price that you require for redemption for sins of the world. That's what all of this is pointing to. That's right. And, and, and when you, when people when people start reading and they get to Leviticus and that's where their Bible reading dies because they don't understand what we're trying to help you guys understand is this is what it's all pointing to. Yeah. It, it's pointing to your redemption. It's pointing to your salvation. That's what it's pointing to. You've got red in your ledger. Mm-hmm. I've got red in my ledger. Mm-hmm. We all have red in our ledger. That red is called sin, mm-hmm. right? Now, why we have that red, how it all works, let's put that aside for a second. The only thing that's going to clear that red, the only thing that's going to get us into the black is death. Yeah. We have to die. The problem is I can't die for all of the red I have. You can't die. No. We can't die no. enough no. to cover that no. red. Jesus comes in and because he was perfect and because he embodied what it meant to be a true man what it meant to stand on the stand on the faith of god to stand on his promises to live according to the way god wants us to live because he did all that and then he died Uh his blood now can wipe out that red in our ledger and get us back into the black and that's that's what this is all about that's Mm -hmm. what that's what this whole leviticus chapter 16 is about that's what the whole book of leviticus is about is that we we mess things up and god is going to provide a way back into his presence. I mean, think about it. Exodus 32, right? Golden calf. God just makes a covenant with these people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what's the first thing they do? They violate the first command. They yeah. go off the reservation. Yeah. They are they are liable to God for death. And mm-hmm. yet God doesn't kill them. He redeems them. He saves them. We have the book of Leviticus, where not only does he redeem them and save them, but he lets them back into his presence. Yeah. So he can live in their midst. The book of Leviticus is an awesome book. It's it's it really is the crux, the pinnacle, mm-hmm. the center of yeah. law. It's mm-hmm. it's really awesome. Yeah, we we uh, I was trying to find a text. We we're we we're talking about the seed, you know, the seed of woman. You know, it talks about, and I, I know in First or Second Corinthians it talks about that Jesus is that seed. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where that text is. Galatians. Uh, no, it's huh? Galatians. Yeah, but there's there's a oh you're right. The seed it, the, of woman the, has one. What he seed. says in the what he says in the uh, in, in First or Second Corinthians, is that Jesus was the rock they drank water from? That's, that's what right. it says there. Yeah. You're right. Uh, that's I think that's, that's what happens, guys. 10. When you start te- teaching too many texts at one time, they they start running together, man. That's okay. Galatians yeah. three. I think yeah. it's Galatians chapter three. Do you have it? Uh, Lee, you want to turn over there? No, that's not it. Might be four. Yep, there it is. It is in Galatians chapter three, okay. verse sixteen. 
The promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Jesus was the seed. Jesus right. was the one that 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 when God told Eve and through your seed all I mean through when he said tell that to Abraham, when he said when he said the seed of woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. You know, the seed of the serpent, serpent is Satan. He's he is symbolic of Satan. He's the enemy. At some point, the seed from woman is going to and it and it and it and it re uh, reestablishes her. It reestablishes womanhood and motherhood Absolutely. from Eve because you know she did. She remember something, guys. She didn't. She didn't get this this redemption or this this reestablishment uh, at the, at the at the time of creation. She got it because of the fall. All right, you know, and and the the pro, the reason that that sin comes because of Adam because he was the one created. She was created to help me. Mm-hmm. Now we can get into all that. We've already we already did that on on Sunday morning about about the responsibility of women and and what's women's role and you know I mean I mean she was created as a helpmeet. Well, in the sense right. So in in the twenty first century, that word doesn't mean what it probably meant. When, no, when, no. So let's let's explain that by a helpmate. What we mean is if you're going to paint a room, right? When I think of a helpmate, I mm-hmm. think of someone who goes and gets me water. Yeah, I can do the job without them. Yeah, right. I'm capable of doing the job without them. That's not what that word means no. in the Hebrew. Uh, the word there for Eve is a helper. It gets translated in modern translations as a helper. The, what the word means there is if you're going to paint a room, you can't paint it without the paint. She's the paint. Mm-hmm. She is the, the woman is the thing that we need to do the job that God has asked us to do. We can't do it without her. It's impossible. Yeah. So so that's, that's a, a better, because you say helpmate in the 21st century, people are like, well... Yeah, I can do this yeah. without a help, yeah. mate, you know. But you know, the, when when Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus comes and starts talking and 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 saying for them, saying everything wrong. Oh yeah, for them, he's yeah, saying yeah. everything wrong. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, he says a few that when he calls himself the Son of Man, which means that he's deity and man at the same time. You know, I mean, he he's he is talking he is talking some some deep stuff here, man. Oh yeah. And and they're having a real tough time wrapping their minds around it, but the simplicity of it is what we know is that all he's doing is fulfilling everything that Leviticus and Numbers and Exodus and all of those things talked about. Yeah, well, and all that law was given was not given to you. I, I I even came up, you know, with with well, well, I can't eat catfish anymore. Well, that law wasn't given to me. No, you know, we we talk about the Ten Commandments. There's churches out there that are based on on the Ten Rules of, you know. I mean, those are those are neat, and those are probably something you ought to aspire to to, to implement. But that's not that was part of the law that wasn't given to us. No, that's it right. wasn't. You know, the the law was given so that G so that God could keep His plan in motion to bring the lion from the seed of Judah into existence, and that that lion, that lamb, could could put His blood in front of Him and buy back people from their sin. What a rule! You, who do you give rules to? Children, mm-hmm. you give them to children yep. to teach them, right? There's there's an understanding beyond the rules, right? We we tell our kids all the time, you know, don't hit each other. It's a rule in our house. You can't hit each other. Uh, we have another rule in our house that you know they have to respect their parents. Okay, we have all these rules. Why do we have these rules? So there's a reason behind it. And the reason behind it is we want you to grow up and be a, a specific type of person. Well, you know, to to bring order to chaos. 
part. That's what yeah. rules do. I mean, right. they, you you have when you see chaos take over order is when people don't obey the rules. That's true. That's true. In a home, but in a society, what about the the problem? The limitation of rules is they don't address every situation. Well, you're right. You're right because they're made by men. Right. Well. Even the ones that God made. But, we're gonna, but that's we're, because the men. No, you didn't no, let no, me finish. No. You didn't let me finish. Because <laughs> they're not going to obey them anyway. Well, they, that's true. They're not. And when they don't, it, it if if they would have completely obeyed the law, mm-hmm. they, their lives would not have been as chaotic as it was. Well, that's true. I agree with that. However, not even God's rules encompass every situation. No, it did. You're right. We're, we're going to see in numbers a story where... The law is basically incomplete, and some people point it out, and Moses is like, oh, you're right, and then they go to God, and God's like, nope, you're right, that's true, that's not a good thing, so let's fix it, let's give more. Rules are meant to teach us something mm-hmm. so that we can get to a point where we don't really need the rules anymore. I don't need somebody to come up to me and tell me, don't kill people, but don't that's murder. What God, that's what God said. Right. He said the new covenant is going to be, I'm not going to right. have the rules. He said this is going to be in their mind, in their hearts. We'll know. what are what are what, So in Christianity... What is the paradigm? We don't operate off of rules. We operate off of a paradigm. And that paradigm is this, love God and love your neighbor. When you're doing that, when you're pursuing that, but that's the whole point of Leviticus. The whole point of Leviticus. I mean, think about just Leviticus for a second and where it's at in the story. God is taking a people who he's already saved, who just spit on him. He's taking those people. He's wiping the spit off his face and he's looking at him and he says, it's okay, I still love you. Yeah. Because that's Leviticus. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a shocking statement. It's a shocking book yeah. that God would look at a people who literally just spit <laughs> and say, I still love you yeah. and I'm still going to take care of you. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to see it again and again and again and yeah. again in numbers. Over and over and over. Yeah. I can't wait. We're going to get there. Guys, enjoy what we're going to put up there, the content. I don't, I have, like I said, I've forgotten all about it. I've forgotten how it, how it played out. I don't know, you know. It's not something I even Oh, heard. you're talking about the class the that class we're going to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and, I am. And then we will get back to numbers, I promise. We're not going to leave you hanging. We'll get back to numbers. I'm excited, point. yeah. Yeah. Hey, and, we're uh, almost done with the law, man. Almost. Yeah, we're almost. we're we're, we're past we're the middle point. Almost getting them started on their journey. Almost. Let's <laughs> let's pray and we'll be done. Father, thank you for this study that we've had. We thank you for for moving us into a new a new portion of our study. We pray, Father, your blessings upon us, Cole and I, as we prepare for it and get ready. And you 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 prepare our, our our listeners that they will see and they will hear and they will they will have opportunity, Father, to, to apply these things to their lives. Thank you, Father, for them, and thank you for the situations they find themselves in. Help them uh, if there's any need that they that they have that they will let us know, and that we can that we can help them to get past that. Father, thank you. Bless us, encourage us, lift us up as we study your holy word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.